This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to Faith Ventures, where we tell inspiring stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. And today, I am very pleased to have as my guest, Mr. Eric Radel, the CEO of the Miller Ad Agency. He is an excellent family man and dog lover. Eric has got tons of experience in the marketing and advertising business, and he's here to tell us about some of his experiences in that. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Doc, thanks for having me on and happy to share some of my convoluted path, not only to faith, but success in business and where those things tend to bump into each other. Well, see, convolution is one of my specialties. So, uh, you know, we've been, well, both of us have been around a bit, and so I'm sure we'll get into that. First off, I want to ask a little bit about your career journey. And let's just talk about that. Like, how did you kind of get to where you are today? Tell some of the big highlights about how you grew into this position. Absolutely. So like everybody with a career of any kind, you can always go back and try to blame your parents for where you are today. We'll, <laughs> we'll start with that at Litany, that, that tone. But I was raised by two incredibly hardworking parents in New York, upstate New York, and learned from them an incredibly valuable work ethic I saw was a gift in our relationship. Carried that forward with me but also saw the need when I was a young man to escape and see the world. So in a very large graduating class, my high school, about 700 people, I was the only Whoa. one to walk. Yeah, it was a big class. I headed west of the Mississippi. I was the only one, because if you're from the Northeast, you tend to go to school there. People are sticky right in that environment. Sure. I was lured away to go to Baylor University. And for those that don't know Baylor, it is... I believe, still the largest Baptist institution of higher learning. I did not go there for that reason. Went there because they were kind enough to, to pay my way. Yeah. North of where I grew up in Waco, which is, is pretty yeah. excellent. Love Waco. Yeah. So yeah, the town is the university. And things have changed yep. there a little bit, but was blessed for, for a couple of reasons in that portion of my journey. So it really did tee up my career path. The first less important piece of that puzzle at the point was being exposed to people of faith because I did not have faith-driven background growing up. But most importantly, and this is a theme throughout the career path, was meeting my wife, um, who has been my wife now of, of 20, almost 23 years at Baylor. And what she put me on to in the way of just the, the nibbles of a walk to faith, but most importantly, when it came to my career, where I had all these self-limiting beliefs about what an individual was supposed to do and capable of doing, she removed all that through the auspices of, well, what were you made to do? How much do you think is possible for you? She's like, I see more of you than, than you even see in yourself. So it was, it was her deep faith in understanding the value of creators and how those can so influence the importance of the world. So the first thing we did was relocate to Houston and seven months later, I was asked by my boss, he said, hey, we've got an opportunity in California. It's perfect for you, big promotion. She said, if not you, then who? And that has just been a recurring theme. And, and part of the movement that I've had as a, as a person is, if not me, if not my responsibility to do for myself, then who? If God did create me, and I know he did, haven't always known it, but if he did, then my responsibility is to maximize 
the value that I can create and task myself with for the time I'm here and for the time I am in the next place with eternal expansion. So she was such a gift in finding people like that in your life, whether it's in your walk with faith or in your business, that believe as much or more of you than you do yourself is an incredible accelerant. And, and obviously we know God gives us that. It's also blessed. And, and that part of my career, that's when I moved from a job that I was frankly stuck in right out of college to corporate America and took marketing roles for Mercedes-Benz, Mazda North America, Subaru of America. And each time I was able to move, it was because there was a bigger opportunity, a larger stage for me to occupy. God wants that for us in life right. and in business to, to, to the point where you've just got to find a stage large enough where you feel uncomfortable with it. It has to feel uncomfortable in life and in business. If you're not uncomfortable, you're, you're not growing, you're not, not expanding. The other thing that I was blessed with were mentors along the way, specifically the ones when I was at Mazda North America running marketing for them, the folks that I worked for before becoming my own boss gave me all the autonomy that it looked like to have your own boss. One of the biggest gifts that you can have from a mentor or that walk with, with God, with Christ, is knowing that you're personally responsible for the results you're going to achieve. How big do you want those results to be? How quickly do you want them? How patient are you willing to be in that journey? But to have people that would give you the reins and that autonomy at that young age for me was in my late 20s and early 30s, to have responsibility for something that was nationwide, to see my work product show up all around the country, good or bad, and then having to own that experience also was, was defining. And then I guess the final piece is where I am currently, nothing prepares you to say yes necessarily to the next move in, in your business life. You should feel unprepared. But what prepared me to at least make the yes statement was that after 15 years in corporate America, I did find out that constant relocation was evidence you were doing a good job. And as we were yeah. with young children at the time, we decided to settle in. And I, I was tasked with taking over the family business, which was a marketing agency. And it's something that I avoided for the first, call it 20-ish years of my life, only because I wanted to make for myself. And later in life, now realizing that I have got to explore the path that, that God has given me and not that anybody else has ordained for me, including, including my parents. So just that autonomy of movement, I think has, has defined the moves that I've made in my career and allowed me to get to a place where I can be truly entrepreneurial and sit in those entrepreneurial decisions that have impacted my business and how I'm living my life. Wow. So there's so much we could even, you know, kind of jump off in a variety of different directions and, and, and kind of talk about that, but each one of them. One, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, this, this, this mentoring aspect. I mean, you're a CEO now. You aren't always there. You noted, you know, moving around being an evidence of, of success in a sense. And that's sometimes is the case. Sometimes, sometimes like in my case, it's not necessarily success. You move around a bit because you just have to sometimes. Right. But, but I think it, you know, makes some really interesting points there. So what I'm curious about is how did you identify and or like come into contact with these mentors even noted that some of they walk with Christ as well. So you found interesting, knowledgeable, experienced mentors who were believers as well. 
How did you kind of come into that and uh, even approach them, ask them, you know, what, what advice would you give to folks who are looking for that type of mentorship opportunity around them? Awesome. So a couple things. Be a my arrival at Great Mentors was purely happenstance. So everybody that's not a planner or a seeker of mentors, understand that God will put them in your way. Now, the downside to that is you will encounter both people that want both good and bad things for you. Uh, yeah. So having having that sixth sense or trusting when you hear the voice, which is, and this is great advice for the younger self, when you hear the voice and anybody gives you hesitancy, stop and explore. But the people that, that do speak to you and you can tell that not only are they in, in alignment with their saying aligns with their actions, but their actions align with what we all know natural law to be. What's the right thing? What's the right moral compass we should be guided by? Says, Choose your mentors carefully. This has been said 50 different ways, but the paraphrase I'm most familiar with is, you will be as successful in all facets of life as the five people you spend the vast majority of your most time, time with. with. Yeah. Right? So your biggest mentor, shocker, is your spouse. You're going to be most influenced by that person. And your life path, your success as a man or a woman is going to be directly impacted by the person you engage that much of your time with. Same thing with mentors. I would historically have approached them from who do I see that is acting in a way that is beneficial to a facing client, acting in benefit to themselves, to the organization, where they've got alignment, even when goals aren't always perfectly aligned. So what does that mix look like? Who's close to perfecting that? And who do I get energy from? Yeah. Uh, a men you know, the, the, what a person extracts from a mentor depends on how you squeeze for the juice. If you're squeezing your fruit from the top to the bottom or from the left to the right, you're going to get different results. So know what you need and seek the mentor that's, that will fill those deficiencies or opportunities in, in your set. I think that's a couple of things I want to seize upon there that I think are, are really interesting. One is, is noting, of course, that you're, you know, another way you put it is like, you're sometimes the composite of the five people you spend the most time with. And, and the, the number one corollary to that, which you noted, and then you've already, you highlighted this so early, even in our conversation is that arguably the most important decision you're going to be making in your both as a person, as a, just literally as a person, but also really in your career too, is who am I going to marry? And so yeah. for, you know, I know that a number of our younger listeners and younger men who are, who, who frequent what LCI produces and whatnot, I don't think we talk about that enough in that, you know, sometimes it gets a little confusing for them in the, in the world, the modern world that they live in. But they, you know, maybe if you haven't been emphasized that enough, my young friends know the, from both of us here, that who you marry matters so, so much for your success and future. So I, I think I'm glad that you highlighted that because we haven't really touched on that in any, you know, of our other, other interviews at this point for, for Faith Ventures. So I think that's a great point to kind of highlight. Another thing I'm kind of curious about too, with regards to the mentoring and, and, there's different types of kind of leadership and mentoring that you can kind of approach. And I think it's probably worth noting, and I'm curious how you kind of perceive this as well. There's different, there's different types of mentoring and you got to be careful that what you're looking for is probably is either like coaching versus therapy or advice. Those are three very different things. And especially as it pertains to business, I think want to be careful on is like, don't, don't mistake, you know, getting 
business advice or mistaking looking for encouragement in the form, you know, kind of therapeutic level stuff versus actual coaching or mentor as well. What do you, how does that kind of strike you? Does that kind of resonate with you much at all? So this has been a topic of conversation I've had actually with a mentor that I've had now for 20 years. And he said something to me the other day in the context of business, which was his business is currently information, rather data rich and information poor. Mm-hmm. We extended that conversation to mean even if we're both data rich and information rich, if we have something actionable, we're really poor in is taking that action. Mentors that I have had along the way have not just either edified or pushed back on my ideas, because that's what a mentor does, right? You're looking, yeah. you're not looking for a person to put you on their couch and say, it's okay, muffin. That's <laughs> not, that, that's yeah. different. What you're looking for is a person who will go, you know what? I like where your head's at. Go do that. Or I think you could explore two or three other options. Did one of those resonate with you? But you are looking for tension from a mentor someone that isn't a, a rubber stamp for what you want and someone who's, you know, has either the stroke, meaning the leverage or your respect enough that you'll heed some of that counsel, even when it's uncomfortable, or at least take the opportunity to step back. So whether you're, if you're, and if you're being mentored, and this is whether you're approaching God or your mentor with a request, you've got to be in a headspace to listen. And in some cases, that means re-listening to that person. Go a third layer deep, for example. Instead of listening to a God whose word you know is good, listening to a mentor who you trust, you're getting advice from someone whose opinion you don't, you don't necessarily default to. Stepping back, re-listening to that person and going, okay, they hold this belief for a reason. What about my belief set? is not allowing me to question this belief. How am I approaching this counsel from this person who, who is a mentor to other people, but isn't on my path or perceptively isn't on my path. So just being willing to look at things with wide open eyes from an input perspective, that makes you a better mentee to any valuable mentor. I think that's yeah, so interesting to kind of like kind of mull, mull, people should mull on that for a bit. <laughs> there, there's some, there's some really deep, like kind of, there's some really deep lessons that one can extract from these sorts of things as when, as we're looking at how we progress in our, in our careers and, and really even as a Christian, because there's certainly aspects of our, of our Christian lives as well, when we need good mentorship and we need to be, you know, actively looking out in our, in our congregations and, in our Bible classes and in our churches and so on to, to really look for those opportunities as well. There are kind of parallel pathways here. So I'm kind of curious, do you, do you find that to be sort of the case even in kind of more broadly speaking in your life as you're approaching different challenges? And I'm curious, like what, what other challenges have, have you been able to kind of overcome in part with some good mentoring? So I'll go to two giant ones, two, two speed examples. There was a point in our business about eight years ago when we had a good 55 or 60% of our business tied up in a single place. Ooh. And when <laughs> bad news hit, you know where this story goes to me. Yeah. When, when bad news hits that basket, it was time to make some very, very challenging decisions around the company. And my upbringing, my, bringing allowed for a 
what I would consider a scarcity mindset, meaning we must get smaller. Things can't be done. I'm not in control of my environment. And I had two mentors, one, my wife, who said, we've been through tough times like this before. If not you, then who? We'll find a way. And in that instance, that is just encouragement. It's not, well, Eric, I saw you do this tactically before. Take that same tactic and apply it. It was, you've got to dig deeper to what you know is, is your foundation and the fact that you don't see limits for yourself. Everyone else is playing on the same playing field. Anyone that does exactly what we do has this same set of cards. You have a chance to win the hand. Still, how will you play the cards that, that you're dealt? The other mentor that came at me with something incredibly powerful was, this is not the time to wait. And this is a powerful posit that this mentor has given me, and I've seen it given by other mentors, which is when faced with a challenging decision, decide. And it's that, that movement against what you have that give you a great example of how this plays out. A lot of times in business, we're faced with multiple choices in terms of how to mitigate or how to navigate a situation. I have news for you. Sometimes those, those solutions are equal, that there's not a bad choice, that the only choice is not moving. So if you've prayed or if you've asked your mentors and you get a, hey, I don't know, the answer is to quote Biggie Smalls, stick and move. <laughs> stick it in the ground and move from that point. Will you have the chance to reverse course if it's not what, exactly what you want? Absolutely. Another powerful lesson that dovetails into that with mentors is if the direction you've chosen isn't the one that you want, there is no law against reversing course. And that's something else that every good mentor would imbue upon their mentees is the flexibility to change your mind. None of us has ever been right about everything. It's how you act into the decisions you make will influence your success more than the decisions that you made, even in times of, of struggle. And I have another example, but you've got that quizzical look that, uh, that, that's, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of thinking about, you know, the, this, I'm thinking about the worst move is to not move again. And that's, you know, that analysis paralysis that can, that can, strike you sometimes the other the other piece that that i think plays into that is that fear of failure and this this is something that i think it has a spiritual kind of component to it you know like for for some for some young whippersnappers like myself who you know was well was a smart guy in high school did well and went to college and did real well and and you know one of the when you go to grad school in, in science and engineering, some of the some of the folks that you meet and are much like yourself and that you haven't in the capacities that you've had opportunity to, you haven't failed too often. Yeah. And and so sometimes you kind of have to like get out of your own head of that fear of failure. Like, oh well then this could is this that point at which I finally fail? And 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 realizing, you know, that there's there's different there's different aspects to that sort of behavioral analysis that you kind of that you do need to really get out of your own head and listen to other people it was one of the things that my graduate school advisor told me i think when that uh, i thought was really interesting so one of the one of the worst possible scenarios that he's seen with with graduate students was that it was the kids who came in who never who never failed before and because they didn't know what to do and when they're doing research you know in in science and engineering where the 
that life of ambiguity is just so strong. <laughs> and thankfully, I think he, he helped guide me. He was one of the best mentors I've ever had in, in, in terms of development of my intellect and for the capacity to do certain things like this. And, and, and so helping me to understand how to live through that ambiguity was, is a big deal. So Absolutely. I, I and so, it kind of re- I th- it feel like it resonates with kind of some of the stuff you're saying here as well. How we face those fears is, is seminal in terms of our, our development in, in faith and in business. There's a, a video short that, that illustrates as well. And it's by, an, I believe he was a Navy SEAL. I've read a handful of his books. His name's Jocko Willink. Ah, yeah. J- Jocko is a well-published guy. And there's a great video short of him on YouTube. And you can probably just Google Jocko Willink and the word good. And to give you the theater of the mind that this deserves, somebody's telling Jocko, hey, I know we're supposed to go on this mission, but none of our gear arrived. And his, his expression was good. Jocko, this was supposed to be a day mission, but now we got to go on the cover at night. Don't know we're ready. Good. When faced with fear, understand that the lights, a great business lesson and, and a lesson in faith, the lights are never all going to be on green for you to go to the store. They're not. So stepping into that fear and embracing it, and this is a challenge, but when it's uncomfortable, you know you're moving in the right direction. When you're on a stage that makes you uncomfortable, you're, you're moving in the right direction. If you get into a room full of people and start to wonder for a moment, am I enough to be in this room where that imposter syndrome starts sinking in, which mm. is man, here has more credentials yep. indeed. They've done more yep. and more books. Good. If not me, then who? And reacting with, I'm going to eat this challenge. And it may not go exactly as I planned, but I have found that meeting those challenges either creates opportunity or boosts my ability, my confidence in tackling the next thing. Every time you step that, once once that expansion occurs, the contraction can't, you know what's possible. That's so cool. Yeah. And I love this, you know, keep coming back to if not me, then who? I think that's going to be the title of this episode. There we go. <laughs> Inspiration has found you. Appreciate, appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, you're doing my, doing my work for me. What do you know? <laughs> no, I think that's great. And uh, so I want to kind of, I want to shift gears a little bit here because we've been talked a lot about the, the kind of leadership aspect, these uh, things about learning how to, to act in business in ways that are, you know, perhaps are not intuitively obvious and take mentoring to take experience and whatnot. And I, I really appreciate, you know, for my own sake, as, as someone operating in the marketplace today, I'm curious as to, though, as to, you know, with your experiences in doing advertising and marketing and whatnot, Christians sometimes get, I think we get, we get confused at times from the way in which we perceive advertising, marketing, et cetera, sales and so on. I'm curious if you, you know, how do you, wrestle with some of the things I'm sure that you've heard in amongst your fellow Christians today about, about these things, what misconceptions do you feel like people have about the nature of your work that that you, if you could just put it on a billboard, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, what would that, what do you want to tell them about, about that sort of stuff? Cause these, these seems to me to be important aspects of the market and I well understood at times. So the, the first big one that I'll gnaw through is just the, the concept that that making money is bad. Yeah. And I believed that for such a time, just based on my upbringing, my, my mother to this day says, if, if, if I've been successful, then I have 
quote, enough, that, that we should be limited. And then at some point that you don't need more resources, you don't need the ability to influence with those resources. And I, I come at it from a different direction, but only because of my, my walk with, with faith, that the more resources I can, the more value I can generate, the more resources I'm creating, it's a sign of, of a couple of things. The first sign is I've never made a dollar that didn't help another person. It's in, it's in perfect alignment with what they wanted and what I needed to continue a solvent business. Everybody that needs to hear that. I've never made a dollar that didn't help another person. That's a great phrase. I love it. Never. And I've gotten over every bit of my concerns about money and scarcity, right? Because yeah. mom's posit was, well, it's a zero sum game. So if you don't give more away or if, if I do well, then everybody should do the same as me. That's not proven out in the way that that business runs or that God wants us to walk. Yeah. The best reference, and I'm not so erudite that I can quote scripture from memory yet, but in Matthew 25, there is a story about Jesus leaving three disciples with talents, mm-hmm. talent, coin. One gets one talent, one gets two, one gets five. Jesus goes away, comes back, and the guy with five has doubled his money by investing his resources again don't get hung up on the English translation of investing those resources, but he was given a gift from God. We all were with who we are, how we were baked, how we were delivered into this world. How do we maximize on that gift? Second one, the, the guy that had two tenants in the, in the Bible, a, a tenant is a talent. A talent is a resource there. It's, it's not an accident that money, coins, talent, and our performance are inextricably intertwined. The final disciple had a coin and was scared to use it, buried it, and then couldn't find it. There is nothing more egregious than wasting the gifts you've been given. So that's that's the piece of do with the most you can with what you've got. But the flip side of that coin is if God trusted me with this resource, which is my brain, my body, I was born on third base. I'm born in America. I am 6'1", 170 pounds, blonde, smart guy, well-educated. It is incumbent on me to create value, not only for my clients, but for my employees that count on me. The more resources, the more revenue I generate, the more people I can help and support through the business. Charitable giving is an entirely different animal than, than shepherding business resources for the expansion of the business the benefit of the client and the employees that work there. Making money is good. Yeah. Not to quote Gordon Gecko. Greed, not <laughs> making money is good. Different, yeah, different, different principle at work. Cause it's so true that, you know, the the God's design for the world is that we work together through to the create to create value together. And they uh, the primary means of doing that is through the marketplace. Yes, there are opportunities for charity, for giving, and so on. But that's that is a bit of a different qualifying vestment, and so it's it's exciting when you realize that God created a win win world. Yes, well, in any business interaction that doesn't feel win win, stand down the tension again. Tension is required, in mentors. Tension's required in negotiations. Mm-hmm. But once that piece is complete, everybody should feel like they are both winning in the interaction. The other misconception that that bears unpacking 
is what I like to call Ned Flanders Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> Simpsons that, references. That, Love it. Let's go. <laughs> and here and here he is. Everything was okie dokie. And yep. in business, everything is not okie dokie. And there are standards of not only just procedural standards, but operational standards that you have to keep. Everything is not okay. God doesn't say that, but there's this idea in the world that if you're running a Christian business, not only is there a cross on your roof too, and you're not supposed to make money, but worse, that everything is, is nice and kind. No, getting work done requires adherence to procedures, adherence to behavioral standards, yeah. and being on the same path and the same mission. Mm -hmm. A big piece of that, I mean, I, I think it's anchored to something Ray Dalio said, great book called Principles, little, little meaty, but it's worth the read. And Christ would agree that clarity is kind, that in business, being nice is not kind, being clear with your employees about the agreements you have with them, with the clients about not only their expectations, but if we're going to win for you, here's what victory looks like. That, that is a, what some people would consider a confrontational discussion. But again, this isn't Ned Flanders Christianity. This is getting clear about what's yeah. expected and clear about deliverables. It's okay to be hard nosed and walk a Christian individualist path. Yeah. This kind of reminds me, by the way, another fun book that kind of parallels that is winning with accountability. The mm. author kind of escapes me off the top of my head, but that's another good one where, where it's kind of incumbent upon us as leaders in business at times to be, to, to appropriately come up with ways to develop accountability standards for us. And accountability isn't like, well, if you did it wrong, then, you know, screw you and there's going to be consequences, but rather developing expectations and, and principles to where you can trust and, and be clear about what is, what is that, what everybody's responsibilities are and how they are going to be accomplished. And that's something that that's a blessing to people. Don't, don't try to, to think of, well, I'm being kind by, by, you know, by dumbing down or, or avoiding these, the, the, the positive sense of confrontation. These are appropriate, there are appropriate ways to deal with this type of stuff. So I appreciate on that, that note, Norman, I think it's important to remember that when required to confront, because we are again, not confronting is the same as not deciding, but when we're required to confront, find that person in a receptive place, find yourself in an ability to deliver an effective message that that helps them see how that moves the ball for them and for you in the business that is no different than Christ witnessing to those in need. If they need food, that's the first priority. Give them food. They're, they're not ready to hear the gospel if they're hungry, right? So prioritizing your messaging to, to people that you've got to confront is a critical part of, of running your business successfully if you're in this walk, if you're in this path. Yeah. Such an, yeah, that's, that's good words, good words. I appreciate this so much, Eric, and really having a, a grand time here. I want to kind of start driving toward our little endpoint, though, because we want to respect your time because you're a busy guy, and uh, and so am I. <laughs> but, okay, yes. but but I'm I'm loving this, and I feel like I could talk to you for probably hours about this stuff. So yeah, this may this may bleed over into other things too. You never know, but. 
do have a couple of questions that I love to ask everybody who comes on to Faith Ventures. And, and this one that I think is particularly poignant here, we've talked a little bit about it, and I know you're primed for it. So imagine that you could go back in time and start giving your younger self some advice about work and business and your, how your faith interplays with that. And what are some, what are some yeah. of the things you would say there? Because my goodness, I mean, your experience, I just, oh, I'm now excited. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> so exciting times. And I'm actually having these conversations inside my own head right now because I have two daughters. One I just dropped off for their freshman year in college. The other I dropped off for her sophomore year. So I'm thinking as they're, by the way, when they leave, they start to realize that dad wasn't insane, that you know, <laughs> some of the things that dad believes I'm finding to be true when I test them against the reality of, of being an adult-ish in college. So the first thing I would, and I'm going to tell them is take more risks. And by risks, I don't mean unreasonable ones, but take reasonable risks with the okay. backdrop, and again, my wife gave me this blessing. I didn't have it for the first 25 years of my life. God means so much for you in your life. You owe it to those around you and to God to maximize those gifts. That looks like taking more risk. Yeah. Volunteer, do what's difficult. Say yes when nobody will say no. That has served me so well in business. We did a giant project for MMRs. They asked many advertising agencies, can you build an application using facial recognition that'll improve the experience in our stores? And everybody else said no, because it had never been done. I just said, yes, we'll Jurassic Park reference. Nature finds a way. <laughs> there's a person, right, that, that wants to do it. So take more risks. The other thing, the two things, that, that God wants a lot for you, but there is evil in the world. And there are one of the posters I have on my wall, Jordan Belfort, our friend from Wolf of Wall Street, says, pay close attention to people that don't clap when you win. Understand that, that people are carrying an energy, whether that's a faith-driven energy or just whether they're, everyone's got the good and evil in them. Sometimes yeah. you can feel the evil in something. And I, I would encourage them to immediately get away from that. And the third, third piece that I would encourage them around is something called a five by five rule. And the rule goes like this. If it's not going to matter in five months, don't worry about it for more than five minutes. What God wants for us is important. What I have to do in my business is important. I can spend a lot of time getting wrapped up around, oh man, this, this client is, is unhappy and blah, blah, blah. Solve problems move ahead with the understanding that you're here for your clients, for your people, for God, for big things that requires looking past the little things. And in some cases, fully understanding how little they are and going, you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to invest my time or resources in it. That advice to my children, five by fiving everything, that's not going to matter in five months. Don't worry about it for more than five minutes. Probably have my blood pressure in a much better place in my forties than it, than it was. That's fascinating. <laughs> it's as many, which is many challenges that I go through with my own children. I think they could probably learn from that myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, as we draw again, draw to a close, I want to kind of give you the final word, Eric. Is there any, is there any, we've talked about a ton of different stuff already and it's just been super fun. Are there any other messages that you would want to have anybody listening to this kind of walk away from 
that would encourage them or help them to think differently about, about where they're going in their life in work, business, and faith? I would say in general, I would say seek out giving people. Giving when it comes to their mentorship, their time, their, their resources. Seek those people out. They are in general a really good place to start with building your circle. Find people that have a heart for giving and spend as much time with them as possible and watch that spirit grow in you. And in terms of reaching out to those people, I would, Norman, ask you, ask your audience to consider me that resource. If it's a marketing question, if you just need an ear around all things marketing, I've made all the mistakes, so I can probably save you some time and consternation and dummy proofing. Literally made all of them, some more than once, no excuse for that. But find people that are experts that are willing to give of their counsel and tap in. It's worth it. Well, you better watch it, sir. I'm a, we're a 501c3. I, am, I might be calling on some volunteer work here. No, we'll, we'll see. But, no, I, do, I do appreciate this so much. And so tell us, Eric, where we can find you online and, and your business website so that we can kind of keep track or, or look into you a little more and see what, see what you're up to. Much appreciated. So the best way to contact us is on our website, which is milleradagency.com, M-I-L-E-R-A-D-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. And if you want a conversation, that's a great place to start one. Just fill in a form and I will call you back and we'll talk about your pain in your marketing or who you think God wants you to be and how much bigger you want to be and what a path to that size of greatness looks like. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for taking so much time with me today. Really appreciate it. This has been wonderful. And I know that our listeners are going to appreciate it as well. So thank you once again, sir. Thank you for the time, Norman. Much appreciate it. And we thank you all for listening today. This has been Faith Ventures, and we will see you next time. 